Welcome to the Reimagine Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lang, um, and I am here today with Miss Grace King um, to talk about reimagining professional development. I'm so excited. Um, when reaching out to guests about being on the podcast, I am like, whatever you want to talk about that ed- is education related, and it's really fun to hear like what soapboxes people come back with. And so when I messaged you, Grace, and I was like, yeah, what do you want to talk about? And you're such a like bright, bubbly, happy person. And I thought you're going to be like bringing joy in the classroom and like rainbows and sunshine. And you're like, can we talk about what a waste of time professional development is? I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unexpected, but I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I have a bright personality for my kiddos, but when it comes to the behind the scenes, I'm like, let's get work done. Let's yeah, <laughs> and what is not working, and let's fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we are gonna we're gonna start though with the bright stuff. So um, before we jump into the nitty gritty, what is something that is bringing you joy lately? I know we're still on summer break, um, but what is what is a bright spot for you lately? Oh my goodness, that's so easy because this past month, um, my family doubled and we um, gained two sons, an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old in our family. And um, obviously, foster care and adoption is all very complicated, um, but we're excited to start a journey of expanding our family. And we have two boys with us that we absolutely love and adore. And they make me laugh so hard and also make me so exhausted by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fun age, too. We're like, mm-hmm. like my husband and I are talking about having kids, but he's not a baby person. And so, mm-hmm. but I think like eight and 11, they like are fun and funny. And that's so good. Yes. It's like, let's go bike riding. Let's go to the lake. Let's go do all the fun stuff. And I love it. Oh, that's so good. And I'm so glad that transition has been going well, because I know our family has done foster care and adoption and some go really well and some are really hard. But I'm glad that that at least that step has been a little bit easier for you guys. Yeah, Um, I think for me, I have been in my craft room a lot as like an office space for podcast stuff. And I um, over spring break made sure I like totally redid the room rearranged everything, organized stuff. So now I actually have clean surfaces to work on and have set it up since I'm in here so much now doing podcast stuff. So I've got fresh flowers and a candle and my little like tea warming platform. And it's like super cozy and cute in here. So I like actually like being in here. I love it. So my cats also, this is their favorite room because they, um, the desk sits right up next to the window so they can lay on the desk and look out the window. So I have to make sure to keep a spot clear for them, but (laughs) they also love being in here. Um, I love that. So I was really excited to do all these interviews in the summer, except that everyone I've interviewed um, is switching jobs for the new school year. So um, my question is, what is your classroom um, look like? What is your job? But I believe you are also getting a new job in the fall. Um, so what will you be doing once we come back to school? Yes. So I switched from 
being a first grade teacher back up to middle school, which is where my heart and passion is. So I'm excited to go back to um, sixth grade and I'll be teaching science and social studies to the sixth graders. And yeah, there um, I work up in Cedar Grove, Belgium area. And it's just a fun group of students. I've actually worked in this district for over four years now. So I know the principal, I know the staff in the middle school, just as I did in the elementary school. So it is a new position, but not super new to me. Oh, good. Good. But you'll be with the sixth graders. I I am licensed to teach kindergarten through high school and middle school. I've purposely avoided this far. <laughs> So thank you for filling the gap that I will not do because all right, I love, they're like too old for half of the stuff and then they're too young for the other half of the stuff. So you like will be sitting in a classroom and you can like know like there are kids there that are playing with Barbies and then there's going to be kids in there who also are going on their first date. <laughs> so right. Just like right. <laughs> yeah. Kids who are like uh, my favorite movie is, you know. Coco and kids who are like my favorite movie is it and you're like great let's that's gonna be a fun conversation <laughs> um well that'll be fun how do you feel about doing science and social study I love it because a lot of times I've noticed in elementary school those are the subjects that people if they run out of time they're not doing science and social studies a hundred percent because it's like um there's such a big focus because you are being tested on math and you're being tested on reading. So let's really put a focus on that. And then science and social studies really just goes away. And then kids don't know our history or understand how math can be applied to science. And um, I think for reading yeah, too, because so that was a discussion when I taught elementary. It was like, well, we don't have time for science um, and social studies because we have to do a lot of our students are behind in reading. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, but when you're just doing the same, like hitting the same stuff over and over again for reading, the kids get really, like, really worn out with it. <laughs> Whereas, like, great, now we're going to switch to science and the kids think it's something new, but they're using their reading skills. And right. so you and get... Because a lot of schools, you'll look and where they're struggling on their reading scores is informational text. Yes, and, and vocabulary. <laughs> on science and social studies that's where your vocab comes in that is where your informational text and how to comprehend it comes from and we're just throwing it to the side and then we're like why aren't they doing well on this part of the test and it's like well i'm what a shocker <laughs> maybe because we're not doing science and social studies right right absolutely and then it's like oh we have we need more informational text and we just pull random ones instead of doing the science unit with hands-on experiments that would actually be engaging to them. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, let's put piecemeal some things together that might work, or just use the curriculum that's supposed to be really engaging and fun, but nah. <laughs> it's hard, too, then, because I switched from elementary to high school, so then at the high school level, when we're talking about, you know, just freshman biology, and the kids are like, what? Like, mm -hmm. Okay, let's start... Bare minimum. Everything has cells. Did you know that? Like, right. <laughs> Let's really take it back. <laughs> yeah, but they miss. They're missing some stuff. So that's cool. I um, 
that is really, really fun to that you are so excited about filling those gaps. One of the things I love mm-hmm. about you is you're like, here's a need, and I think I'm the person for it. So that's really cool. <laughs> Um, and then on top of that, you can do a little prom- self-promo before we move on. You're also an author. Yes. So I have a couple books out. Um, my platform, I call it The Royal Classroom. And our whole goal is to create inclusive literature that like spotlights people who may not see themselves in a book. So, for example, um, I have a book called Leo and Rosie, which is about um, a deaf child who is trying to make a friend at a beach with a hearing child. And so their interaction on that. And then I actually have a book coming out very soon called My Sister Mimi, which is a story about um, a girl and her sister who has a tracheal tube and Mm -hmm. how they have to navigate life a little bit different, but it's not too different. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you anticipate those changing as you are hanging out with middle schoolers more? Potentially. I'm not sure. I love picture books and I know it sounds kind of silly, but you'd be surprised how many middle schoolers also love picture books. Oh it's just gosh. like a book that is directly at what they need. And um, if you put them on the bookshelves, a lot of kids enjoy reading those books. Yeah. Even like at the high school <laughs> Picture books mm-hmm. and graphic novels. Oh, yeah. The number of no graphic, like, I'm like, oh, we're doing Romeo and Juliet. Let me see if there's a graphic novel I can buy. I have um, a Poe, a book of stories by Poe, but it's a graphic novel. And it's all the original language of Poe, which is really difficult. And I had elementary school kids. That book is so torn up because they would not stop borrowing it. And I was <laughs> I like can you like read part of it to me? And they would, you know, struggle with, cause it's like old English, but I'm like, okay, well what happened in the story? And he'd be like, Oh, the guy's heart got ripped out. And they're like telling me all the details from the pictures. Cause the illustrations are really cool in that. And I'm like, okay, uh-huh. cool. Well, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. Cause we had, I had a couple of kids, high schoolers then who were doing Poe as part of their English class. And they were like, I just don't get it. And I was like, do you want to look at some pictures and like could pull my book out and be like, I have a picture version of it. I love it. Absolutely. Well, that'll be really fun. I'm so excited. Um, so you wanted to talk about reimagining professional development and I'm so excited. Um, cause this is something that anyone who's in education has had to sit through professional development. Uh, my best friend actually, just got a job within in a school district for the first time in her career. She's been doing um, speech therapy birth to three, but so that's outside the school district. And um, so since she's joining the school district, she has to do new teacher orientation. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to have the worst time. Because <laughs> it, all it is is professional development and stuff that like if you are, she's not a first year teacher. She doesn't need all of the like, Here's how to do grading. Here's how, and it doesn't apply to her job anyway. But right. mm-hmm. it'll be a blast. So the whole focus of this podcast is to try to be positive and forward thinking. But we have to start somewhere. What, um, what is the worst professional development you've had to sit through? Oh goodness. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. 
trying to think. Okay, so there was one about our... Um, are you familiar with iReady at all? No. Okay, so iReady is like this testing that we do three times a year just to see how the students are growing and learning and all this stuff. And it is such a great tool, okay? And it's very self-explanatory. Like, you can go on the site, and once you're on that site, like, everything is so laid out for teachers. And you can just figure it out pretty simply, like, put together and all this stuff. And we had this professional development where it was all day, all day, like, hours of going through all these different things with it. And I just remember one of them being that it groups up students together based on some of their scores and it's like, this is a small group you should work with. And I remember like, they're like, okay, pull up your list of students. And I just remember everybody's faces just thinking, what the heck? Because we like looked at the group of students and like, here's this computer saying, these are five students that would do well together in a group. But I, as a teacher who know all their backgrounds, know their personalities, I was like, I would never, right. ever put five students together because it would be a disaster within two seconds right. of trying to do a lesson with them. Right. Good job. This computer found all my high flyers and thought they should be in a really intensive small group together. Perfect. Right. And it was just like, and so I remember they're like, and all righty, now take the next... 30 minutes to plan out your lessons with these groups of students that it already has planned. And I was like, no, I'm going to use the grouping I already have in my classroom that does really well and has been successful and takes into account kids' personalities and their actual struggles, not just like a computer automated, like, yeah. this is their struggle. strength. And it's like, that's not what it is yeah and those tests are hard because we do it sounds like it's similar to map testing which we do here in our district um but it's three times a year and we get like really detailed reports of where they're at for math and reading except our students hate it the testing portion of it because it's a standardized test so it'll be like you know oh this kid really struggles with you know whatever reading skill and i'm like i don't I don't think so. I think she just really did not want to be there that day. So then, right. yeah, when we're supposed to sit all day and plan them according to their scores, when you're like, yeah, I really just feel like these are not accurate. Um, but we have to use the data. It's really, really hard to mm-hmm. take that. Well, side. then the best part of that, I remember that professional development was partway through. Um, what? what uh, they were talking about how kids need to do it 30 minutes each week which was fine and it is very helpful for the kids well that week they the lady was like oh we had like a problem with um our the my path this week so if your kids were spending a lot of time on it and not getting their 30 minutes done that was on our fault that was our fault like there was an issue this week so these poor kids like throughout the week there was teachers being like why don't you have your 30 minutes done and then like the kids are crying they're like i did my 30 oh minutes my i probably it was like shows that you only did five minutes are you just playing games on there are you on other apps on your computer <laughs> it was that literally it wasn't like recording their time correctly and we're like well how do we fix that and she was like yeah i don't know and then, or when you just have the person who's showing the, like, professional development, and then they just keep on, they're like, 
um, I'll look into that and get back to you. And then they never get back to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's a great question. What is it called? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Because they don't do it at the high school, thank God. But at the oh. elementary level, they ha- would have, like, a, a literally a spot for us to put questions on a sticky note. Oh, our parking lot. Uh-huh. That's a great question. Can you add it to the parking lot, please? You'd have to, like, write your question on a sticky note and put it up there. And then, like, I don't know. Admin was supposed to answer them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But, yeah, it was just, like, look, here's a visual collection of all the questions we couldn't answer for you today. Thank you so much for participating. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we... um I know one of the things when you messaged me, you were talking about. So we talk about professional development for teachers. The most frustrating thing, I think, is it's time consuming Mm -hmm. and we don't have um, a lot of time. We're very, like, protective of the time we do have. And then, two, it typically it costs districts a lot of money. Um, And I know districts set aside a lot of money that has to be like some of it has to be used for that. But when, like, they spend a ton of money on stuff and it's not actually beneficial to the teachers, so it's a waste of our time and our money, then that pisses us off. Um, Yeah. The school that I, the elementary school I was at, we paid a consultant to come in um, who, uh, I forgot his first, I think Jim, yeah, Jim Sporletter. He's the guy, um, he was the principal of the school in the Paper Tigers movie, if you've seen that. Um which is a high school. So we paid him to come in and talk to our staff at the elementary level. So I think we were supposed to watch the movie before. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't do that part either. Cause that was supposed to be done on your own time. So I didn't. <laughs> um, and then he came in to talk to us when well, the movie is like, I don't know. I have some issues with the film anyway, because it's just like, here's all of the horrible things our students are going through and what we did. And his solution was, and there's some things, and then he wrote a book about it. Well, I was had just read the book because I was doing my master's in trauma-informed teaching. So I actually was oh. like, oh, that's really cool. I just read his book, and now I get to meet him. Um, he knows really well what how to manage his school. I have no idea mm-hmm. why, as an elementary school, we paid him as a consultant. Because he's never taught mm-hmm. elementary Yep. <laughs> and so it was like, we paid him a lot of money and he comes in and he's like, yeah, you just really have to build relationships with students. Okay, what does that look like? And without saying and explicitly, he was implying that like teachers needed to use our own money to provide for students' needs, which some of us were already doing. But it's mm-hmm. incredibly offensive to be told that the only way our students are going to succeed is if we give more of ourselves. <laughs> Yeah. And then we, like, turned to our principal and we're like, yeah, so it sounds like we may need to do more for our kids. He was like, yeah, you guys should. And it's like, all right, dude. (laughs) And then for specific policy and building stuff, he just, I mean, we're like, you know, well, we have an SRO. Well, like a school resource officer, police. Well, we don't do that at the elementary level. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. They have a lot of admin at the high school. Our elementary school is we don't. We have one principal and that's it. And that's like district policy stuff we can't get around. And so we're like, how do we adjust this to the staff and the environment we have here? And he was like, that's a great question. (laughs) Yep. 
And then when we did have, so part of his company is then he hires, he has consultants underneath him because he can't be a consultant for every school who wants him. So the guy who came and was actually our consultant then throughout the year um, had been in an elementary school and had great suggestions and for whatever reason our admin ignored it. So we went from, I don't know how this would apply to elementary, to here's exactly how I made my school successful. And my principal's like, yeah, I just, I don't think we can do that here. And I was like, yeah, I think we can. And he just kind of ignored everybody. He was like, yeah, I just don't think it'll work here. It's like, all right, so why are we taking the time and money to actually get feedback and help? And then we're just going to ignore it anyway. Right. And I think, like, just, like, to pause for a second, like, I don't think people realize how much money we are spending on these, like, things. And if we aren't using them to their full potential, what a waste. Like, I'm, I mean, um, like, a one-day PD can cost, like, around $10,000. Right. And if we are paying $10,000 for people to zone out... That's not worth our money. That's not worth it for the kids, okay? So, like, if we're going to use something, let's use it well, whether that be the money or the time, or if we're going to get a consultant, let's use the consultant and actually make changes. Because that's great. Like, consultants are great. But, like, it sounds like in that situation, it's not being helpful at all. It's just giving, like, ideas to throw to the side. And, wow, we spent probably, like someone's salary on that for the year right yeah yeah and it's not I mean there's some teachers who are like don't take any of my time let me have it to do whatever I want I'm like well I appreciate having I you know and I think you're similar I of course want to learn new things and of course want time mm-hmm. to work with my coworkers and collaborate on stuff if it's set up well and actually worth our time Right. And that's the thing with professional development is that it's supposed to help you grow where you're at, which personally I do like. Um, one option they gave at our school is that if you had um, through like SESA, they have a lot of different courses you can take. And I remember this past year, I was like, you know what? I want to learn more about doing better small group instruction. So I submitted it to my principal and I did it um, on my own time. But they paid for they paid all the classes for me. Oh, nice. and I love that. I, I felt like I really grew a lot. I was able to take notes and ask questions. And it was what I needed to be a successful teacher. While my coworker, who has taught for twenty five years, she did not need that class, so she didn't take that class. They were like, "Hey, anyone who wants to take it, you can sign up." And she's like, "Nope, I've taught for twenty five years, and I do that well already." And that's what it comes down to professional development is that we look at teachers in their classroom and we say, you know what, you have such a a large like span of kids, make sure you're doing differentiated instruction to reach each kid. And these are kids who are all the same age and we're like, okay, this is how we're going to help our high flyers. This is how we help those who are struggling. Um, but then when it comes to professional development, we'll be like, you know what, you've taught one year and you've taught for 30 years, you guys need the same class right now. We're all going to sit in at the same course right. for eight hours. And you're like, that doesn't even make sense. You're telling me as a teacher not to do that. And then when we, it's professional development time, you're going to say this one lesson is perfect for everyone. Right. 
And then comes the problem of like we tell teachers, don't put everything on the slides, make it engaging. And then you go to professional development and it's slides and slides full of text and it's so boring. Like let's hold our professional development like leaders to the same standard then. Like right. Let's make active. So has there been other than the elective professional development, because I agree that is really helpful. Like I did one this year too, because I was new to the high school and there was um, something about the reading program that was completely new to me. And like, if you want to understand like more about it and how it applies to your classroom, we're going to offer professional development after school paid that you can do. And I was like, yes, that would be for me because I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but aside from that, has there been examples that you've seen of good professional development? Yes, there was one that I absolutely loved that happened this last year. And, um, shout out to my principal who was listening and asking, he actually asked like, um, so we have our building leadership team and there's one person from each grade level and they had a meeting and he asked those the building leadership teams to talk to each grade level and find out what they want in a professional development. What is something we need more experience on? And almost like all these grade levels are coming back with like, we need to know how to respond to trauma better. Um, Especially with how COVID went down and everything. Like these kids are, are just very immature for their age. You have like third graders throwing tantrums on the floor. And you're just like, um, their development just like is really struggling because they were out of school for a long period of time and not social with other kids. And so he actually got um, a trauma informed like educator. So this was somebody who she had taught years in the classroom. Um, I want to say probably like 15 to 20. And her specialty was going and then now she does inter she did intervention for kids who had trauma. And then now she goes and teaches other like schools how to be more effective and how to work with kids. And it was just really good. And she didn't just like when you asked a question that was very specific, she would answer it. Mm-hmm. And I think it helped that she one had the backup. She wasn't someone who was like, Oh, I wanna retire but I still want to be paid so I'm going to do professional development right which is what I see a lot of but she was genuinely like here's my experience and I'm good at what I do and so I'm gonna go empower other teachers to do the same yeah and it was just really good and she just like really um gave like hands-on resources of like here's a good book to read here are activities to do for a kid who's struggling and I really enjoyed that session a lot because it's just like it was something I could take back to my classroom and I could try some new strategies in being able to help our, our kids more yeah I think that so much of professional development I feel like sometimes it's just inspirational stuff um, mm-hmm. or like inform it, like here's what trauma informed is. And you're like, great. This is my fourth time hearing that. Right. Um, <laughs> but what can I like, I, what can I take back and use tomorrow? Um, because you know, if you're going to take my time, then I need something like tangible to bring back with me. Um, yeah. 
I think one, I'm, so when I first started teaching, I lived in Iowa City. And when I left the district, I came back home and was like, I know I need to move back home and be closer to my family. But I cried. I cried when I had to leave because I love the school. I love my staff. And the professional development that we did, oh my gosh, was amazing. I've, and like, I literally miss it. I'm a little nostalgic for it because we, on our like whole district professional development days, um, we had three, there were three high schools in our district and all of the high schools met in one building and we offered different sessions. I think you could pick um, like two different sessions to go to in the morning. Um, But the sessions were all offered by a huge wide variety of people in the district. So we didn't pay anybody to come from out of the district. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then they kind of like, you know, we had some new tech stuff. So if you've still been struggling with tech stuff, please make sure you go to one of the tech ones. Well, I am a video game, you know, I play video games. I'm a nerd. The tech stuff was easy for me. Um, Mm -hmm. But they also invited teachers to apply to lead professional development if you wanted. They're like, we literally, if you think you have something to offer to your your, um, coworkers that you just haven't had a chance, because we don't have time to have conversations with other staff very often and share our knowledge and stuff, they're like, apply. So I actually applied to lead professional development in my second year teaching. Um, And I wanted to lead professional development on ESL, because that was what my area was, and was accepted. And so I got to lead a session about teaching ESL and, you know, it was an hour and a half and not very many people came because there were so many options. But the people who came wanted to be there, were super interested and engaged. And I made sure there was activities to do. It was so fun. It was so fun and so cool that like everyone got to pick what they wanted to do. You got to learn from your coworkers. So the one was like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Can I, yeah, email me anytime you have a question, please. And we're making connections within our district instead of some consultant that we have to pay by the hour. See, and I love that. And I think, like you just said, they can email you. They can come back and be like, hey, remember when you talked about XYZ? I'm struggling with this part. Um, And also, I don't know, did you get paid for that? Um, Or no? I don't remember. You would think as a second year teacher, I would remember if I got extra money or not since I wasn't making much, (laughs) but I don't remember. I remember being so nervous about the whole thing, but yeah, (laughs) I just, I see like investing money back into your community of teachers is so beneficial to them um, because it makes them want to come and share what they already have. And there are some teachers who are like, you know what, I could use some extra money. And instead of working a side job that is going to take away like their resting time and add stress to their life, let them lead in their community and compensate them for that. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, that was, and every, that was the first year that the district had tried it and everyone loved it so much that they were like, I think this is what we're going to do moving forward. And then I left the district, but that was such an amazing example of, you know, we have time. Um, We have people in our district who are knowledgeable. So let's just give them the time. 
And then like they got to give feedback. So if they had all said my session was horrible, then maybe I wouldn't be asked to do it again. And that's fine. Um, but it wasn't, it was brilliant, but, um, but it was, yeah, that was probably the best professional development because you got to pick and you knew what you were getting into and, um, it's what you, you can, we're professionals who can look at ourselves and say, you know what? I struggle with this and you can get help for that. We're not, um, like, I think sometimes we forget that teachers are professionals that can, reflect <laughs> like right. they know what they're missing they know that they need help with a certain part and if they get are given the opportunity we're going to pick the one that's going to help us right. and if we're being we're helping our kids yeah well and for me so because my position is not a regular school position so at the elementary mm -hmm. level I'm not a classroom teacher but I do still have to do lesson plans at the high school level I only teach one class per day um mm -hmm. and then otherwise I'm pushing in and so the professional development that I need and have been asking for is not what I'm given time for. They're like, here, learn more about our math curriculum. I don't actually have to do math lesson plans. And, you know, I don't, we use, we were using bridges at the elementary, which is super intensive and complicated. And there's like a million parts. Mm -hmm. But I'm not actually responsible and I don't have my own copy of it. So I'm not sure why I have to sit all day and. They're like, okay, turn to this page and then write in your lesson plans. Like, these will be the next lessons. And I'm like, I don't, this isn't my job. <laughs> or like, I, I always, it cracks me up. I would like sit down and one of my best friends in our, in the district with me is the elementary art teacher. And she sits down, she goes, ah, look, a whole lesson I have nothing to contribute to. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, right. I'm like, what? she in this lesson right now yeah she's like why isn't she back like put getting set up for the art show why is she learning about her reading curriculum right now this doesn't apply to her right it doesn't apply and then when i ask like hey what i'm really struggling with is um the part where i have to work with other adults and you know coaching other adults and co you know mm -hmm not even co-planning, just communication with other, with classroom teachers because that's really where I struggle the most. And, like, someone hands me a book and was like, yeah, this might be a good resource. Okay, back to the math curriculum. Like, I... Not helpful. <laughs> no, not at all. No, and I had to do the first year teaching... First year teacher training twice. Once at my first year teaching and then once when I moved here as a new teacher in this district... And that's, mm -hmm. like, a whole year of meetings every month Yep. <laughs> to talk about lesson planning and classroom behavior management, mm -hmm. which, as someone who only does small groups, and, like, classroom setup. My, my classroom is an office. I don't have any materials. Like, I don't, this doesn't, none of this applies to me. And then I would bring oh, to the, okay. and, and it was really helpful for true first year teachers, but I was not a true first year teacher. Mm -hmm. I was in my third year teaching, sitting with all these fresh out of college, like, I don't know how a grade book works, teachers. Yeah. And I was like, no, what I'm struggling with is like, some of the teachers get very mad at me because they don't think I'm doing my job. And how do I handle that? And no one could help me. I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm required to be here, but oh my gosh. So, so 
big picture, like if mm -hmm. Brittany and Grace were in charge of professional development. Yes. <laughs> what is that? What is the ideal? What does that look like? I think you've already kind of said it in a couple ways. Yeah. So just like to say it, professional development is useful. Okay. It is good. It just needs to be different than what we're doing right now. And if I could be in charge, you know, all the problems in the world would be solved. I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, but um, we need it. We need to listen to our staff and hear what they need. We need to take that into consideration. I love that you said that your school invested in the teachers leading it because they they know the district, they know the kids. And I bet you that would be way more beneficial than a stranger coming in who has never taught in that district and doesn't know the circumstances. And they're just trying to guess what our circumstances are. Right. Um, and as a second year teacher, that was so empowering to say, yes, we trust you to lead teachers who are older and more experienced than you in your field of expertise. Like We trust you to mm. train them in that. Because I applied, but I was so nervous. My coworkers were like, do it, do it. And then I got, like, they were like, yeah, you can lead a session. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> little 24-year-old me was like, uh. But that I was trusted that I knew what I was talking about. And I had to make a whole proposal. And I had, I mean, the stack of handouts and activities I had for my one-hour session was ridiculous. But it felt so good to know that the district entrusted me and believed well, yeah. in me as a professional in my field <laughs> right and I think sometimes people forget like how much work we've done to just become a teacher we know what we're doing and we have so much knowledge to share and um and we also have so many places we do need to grow and I think teachers would be more willing to grow if it was something in an area where they needed. And so I think that's a lot of communication done between the admin and the staff yeah. on being to spend that money wisely. Like this is what we need to so let's spend our money on it. And this is not what we need right now. So we're not going to spend $40,000 on something that teachers are going to zone out on. Right. Um, so yeah. So like being mindful of the professional development, um, being used to help teachers and not just add more to their plate not to be like and here's six books to read and also spend more money for your kids and buy them this that and that these things but like giving those tools and investing in those really just that high quality professional development yeah. um, whether that's through teachers at your school or if that is getting a consultant or whatever it may be but really paying attention to is this beneficial or is this just to like check a box saying that we did professional development right right or are we just meeting district requirements of you know x mm -hmm. y and z one of the things yeah. i think i struggle with so my my husband recently was um put into a leadership position at his job which is not education related so when we talk about school leadership, he's always kind of baffled because when I think about the issue with that is, right, we trust our teachers to know what they need to grow in, is there's going to be some teachers who say, great, I don't need to grow in anything. Can I have a day off? 
Um, mm-hmm. And I know so many teachers who purposely save their personal days and their sick time for professional development days and just don't come to work at all. And so as, as you know, a principal or school leadership, there might be situations where you're like, yeah, Brittany is struggling with X, but refuses to admit, acknowledge, grow in that area. How do we encourage that? And I think that's where some of the like, great, we'll do a whole school refresher on it comes in. Yes. And we're oh. <laughs> right. We notice a couple of people are struggling. So we're going to take four hours of your morning and everyone's going to work in small groups on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I and talk to my, my husband, there's what? And then those teachers that this whole thing is for aren't paying attention. Right. Or They're they took a day off again. Uh-huh. Whereas my husband's like, that doesn't make sense. If you know that it's four people, why don't you have conversations with those four people? And I was like, correct. <laughs> but I think. Right. And be part of their plan. Like, I, I mean, with my district, my principal was stopping in once a month to like watch me just teach a lesson just for the sake of teaching a lesson and or interacting with the kids just to see how they're doing. And and he would just we would talk one on one after like a formal observation and he'd be like, hey, like, where do you feel like you need some support? And I'm like, actually, I um, oh, what was it? Like one time I was like, I just when it was my first year in first grade, I was like, I'm struggling with transitions with these little kids because I feel like I'm giving the instructions and they're just not listening. And he's like, here's a teacher in our school district. He's like, you tell me what time you want to go to her and just go observe her classroom and we'll get a sub for your classroom. And that's so amazing. So I just went and she just, and she had a little bell that she would ring and she'd wait till everyone was ready and they would transition. I was like, you know what? And then then I went back to my room and I did it and I implemented it and I talked to her too. And I'm like, okay, how did you teach this? Like to be a better transition? Cause I'm just, I was just struggling and it was really nice. Cause like my principal saw that I was struggling with it, but he let me bring it up. Cause he always loves to just like he wants to see that you want to learn it and grow in it too. And if you don't, then he'll let you know. <laughs> but so, yeah. And, and then they provided me the opportunity to go and learn from somebody who's taught for 25 years and they're doing this well. And I was able to bring it back to my classroom and that was something I needed. And, but like, like you said, he didn't go and do a four hour lesson on let's talk about transitions right. for the whole school. Cause it was Grace's problem. Not everyone right. else's problem. Right. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things I think in my district now that they struggle with is just the capacity of admin. Like, they are so busy and have so much on their plate that they, like, cannot... I mean, just getting their required observations in is really difficult for a lot of them, much less, like, popping in just for fun. Um, uh-huh. It's just really hard. So it's hard for them to, like... Like, our admin... Oh, are really not visible in our in our school. The kids don't know who oh, they are really, um, unless they're like in trouble. They know who the dean is, um, yeah. but otherwise they're not really visible in the school. So that would be awkward if they were just around. And so they really like also don't have much of a relationship with the teachers. As far as like if I got pulled into the principal's office and he's like, "Where do you think you're struggling?" I'd be like, "This is a trap," because I don't know him that well. <laughs> Yeah. And and so I think, but that's not on my admin. That's just, they have so much on their plate. 
Mm-hmm. In the school district in Iowa City, one of the things that, because they prioritized supporting staff so much, we actually had, so we have instructional coaches in my current district, but our instructional coaches um, always have students with them. So they're, okay. they're really, well, most of the time they have students with them. So they really are like, in, it's interventionist slash instructional coach. The line is really weird and blurry. Um, mm-hmm. And if they don't have students with them, I don't, it's a very different kind of thing. The district that I worked at in Iowa City, we had instructional coaches, but we very rarely, they very rarely assigned a teacher a full-time coaching position. Usually, you were a part-time teacher, part-time coach. So you were still in the classroom every day Mm. doing classrooms. You know, you were still struggling. Like, you had to implement the stuff that admin was telling you to implement. And then also you were helping your coworkers through it. So as a first and second year teacher, I was, um, my mentor teacher was an instructional coach. But she was a Spanish teacher in the morning and a coach in the afternoon. But then what you just talked about is a, is a position she could fill. So she, I'd, you know, we would meet because we had to as part of the new teacher thing. But she'd be like, what are you struggling with? And I'm like, this one kid will not sit down. Okay, great. I'll come hang out. So she would come in and take notes and talk about it. And then she'd be like, you know who has great classroom management? This other teacher. If you ever want to go, because she had time in her schedule, she would come cover my class so that I could go observe. Mm-hmm. And so just that that time and flexibility and it wasn't admin. So I felt at a high school, it's the hierarchy is really weird because it was not an ad- administrator, though. I felt super comfortable coming to her and being like, today was awful. And she's like, do you want advice? Or yeah. You just need to vent. And I'm like, no, I just need to tell you that it was awful. <laughs> but that I love when I did need help and was like, what do I do? Where do I go? She that was her job. Um, mm-hmm. And there's really not that very many people in my school, the school I'm at now, where it's like that's their job. Mm-hmm. And, then, and that's this is a much bigger district, correct? Yeah, I'm in now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what's hard is like, so for me personally, I live like I could walk to an elementary school and I can walk to an intermediate school from my house, but I choose to drive 25 minutes to go to the small district where I know I'm going to be supported by the admin and my coworkers because the district I live in is so big and so chaotic and you don't get to know your like support staff admin and all these people who are there for you and they have too much on their plates because those things to be they either need to get different roles set up and it's just it gets so complicated as it gets bigger and that's why I love the small district I work in because my principal knows me and knows where I need support so they advocate for me and they give me those opportunities to um, learn and grow in those areas but as you get into these bigger districts where yeah that you might get paid more um, it's hard it's like you want help and you want support and you feel like you're drowning and you don't even know who to talk to. (laughs) Yeah. And I've been really grateful that I have been able to find people to talk to, um, Mm -hmm. who are on the same page and, you know, understand me. But as far as like coming and observing my class, they don't have time. If we talk, it has to be after school. And 
yeah, because, yeah, because it's so big. So I hadn't thought about that. My husband keeps like, maybe you should apply in a different district. And I'm like, I don't know if there's a benefit. I'll have to tell him, be like, Grace, prove me wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, when you go to look for a job, and it's just totally a side note, but it's, um, you have to just look at what that admin and that your coworkers are. And it's so hard to tell <laughs> without actually working there. And so that's why you always got to like ask friends and people who know districts because right. it's hard. It's hard to know, like, because up front they're going to say, yeah, we're going to support you. But okay, is there actions behind those words? <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So on a, like, when I go back to school in, I am not counting the weeks, X number of weeks. You know, because these changes are so big and it's so dependent on admin and the district and policies and all that stuff. What are some things that you think teachers can do individually to make professional development more effective or just to survive the worst of the professional development coming up in the next year so that we can get through it? Like what what are things individual teachers can do? Yeah, so one step that I'm taking is um, since I'm switching roles, I have the opportunity to join different teams and stuff. And I actually um, asked the principal to be part of the building leadership team because I want to help advocate for the teachers that are too nervous to say something about a bad professional development. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And being like, hey, this isn't working. Can we hire somebody else? Can we do something else and advocate for that. Um, So for me, I'm joining the building leadership team to be able to um, kind of be that bridge between my team and the admin. Um, Not every teacher can be on a leadership team and that's okay. I think you need to communicate whoever is that bridge for you. Um, And finding out, take that first step. Who's that bridge between you and the principal for like, professional development who um and if there isn't one maybe stepping into that role or talking to your principal about like hey you know what this upcoming professional development is really great for new teachers um why don't we have our veteran teachers be mentors in this meeting rather than attending the whole thing so maybe they come in for like small group time to be like hey this is how we can support you rather than having them learn about classroom management after 25 years of teaching um so being able we have to advocate for ourselves just like we advocate for our kids i think sometimes teachers are so quick to fight for the kids this and professional development is something that is for us and when then we get a little awkward like well but like if you see it as for your kids like i want to be a better teacher for my students advocate for them Advocate for yourself so that you can help your kids better. And so whether that's talking to your admin, that's talking to a leadership team, or that's joining a team, or asking to start a team at your school, being like, hey, why don't we have a team for our professional development like situations, and let's talk through what our school needs. Yeah. And so, like you said, little- and if there's not a position available, so like at our high school, we have a limited number of seats available on the leadership team. Um, mm-hmm. There were two seats open 
uh, this spring and I applied and I didn't get it. Like you have to apply to be on the leadership team because it is a paid role. Um, and I didn't get it. So even though I am trying to do that, it didn't work. And now for this coming school year, I'm doing a couple other things. So that wouldn't fit in my schedule anymore. And, but I do know who is on the team that I could talk to. And I know who is the bridge between me and admin. And so I can say, Hey, I'm a little concerned about this. And they'll be like, yeah, I am too, but I'm glad I have your perspective because I'm actually heading to meet with the principal in an hour. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I, I tried to get on the leadership team and it didn't work, but I do know like who is in, what is the Hamilton song? Um, in the room where it happens. Like, I know who's in that room. And and I found the people that I trust to advocate for me and my students in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so awesome. And that's just, that's the first step we have to take is um, nothing's going to change by us just sitting there and being grumbly about it. Or like after a meeting, be like, that was such a waste of time. Okay, if it was such a waste of time, then tell your admin say xyz is a waste of time because and then not just whine about it but also say instead could we focus on doing this more yeah and that's the thing too at you know the elementary which was a lot smaller but we only had a principal that was our admin so like to just go to him and be like that was a waste of my time and he's like great okay I, i don't like yeah that was you know here's why i felt like that wasn't useful to me here's what i think we need and then he'd be like great now I know where to go from that yeah I mean because yeah I think it's if you're just if we just complain about something or say it's not helpful we're not giving them direction either right like we can say hey I don't need to re-practice putting in grades into a grading system I do need help with getting tools for my EL students and just like okay so let's let's do that can we look into that a little more Yeah, and just advocate this is where there's a need in our school that we need to work on and could we focus a little bit more on that and sometimes things are set out a year in advance so you might be putting in a little bit work now this fall for the following year right and you just have to get with that and that's you're right that's something that's super frustrating for me because I'm a very I want everything to happen really quick and immediately and so Uh I we had started the conversation with admin about doing more ESL um, training as part of our regular staff meetings. And yeah. yeah, our admin was like, if you're serious, I need to know what topics and when, because we have already started the schedule for next year. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. But yeah. And that like, you know, I'm offering and there's time, but it has to be scheduled before school year even starts. And I was like, okay, great. We'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I appreciate you so much coming and chatting with me. Um, I am so, so grateful to know so many brilliant and um, future-minded folks in education. So thank you for being one of those people and for coming and chatting with me today. And thank you for giving a platform to talk about the things teachers want to talk about. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, So this podcast is on 
all of the podcast platforms. Um, my Instagram is reimagine.teaching. Um, we will be continuing this discussion on Instagram. So quotes and questions and conversations about professional development will happen there. So if you liked this and want to be part of that, make sure you follow on Instagram. Um, and hopefully Grace will be back another time to bring another um, wonderful topic to talk about with us. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> <laughs>